Coming up, big moves in the right direction. We'll talk about Disney's Pride Collection, Pirates of Splunker Cave, the summer celebration at Busch Gardens Tampa, and how attractions are using TikTok. All that and more on this episode of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. Green Tagged is our weekly show covering the top theme park news from each week and why it should matter to you. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Trash Network show, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news on location coverage and interviews from haunts around the world. Whether you're a Halloween enthusiast or professional haunter, each episode helps you celebrate the best holiday. Normally, of course, we air Green Tagged on Mondays, but this week we were a little delayed because I wanted to play the Are You Afraid of the Dark special. If you haven't listened, that's your cue to go back in the feed and check it out. And remember that if you are new to the show or if you want to tell your friends about it, our podcast website has categories to help you sort through our over 700 episode catalog. There's also a handy search function. You can visit our podcast website at haunt.news or just search for us in your Spotify app. Okay. Here's Scott and I with this week's installment of Green Tagged. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tagged, Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson. Hello, hello. How you doing, Philip? Uh, I'm alive still. And look, I, I took out my Christmas decorations. I was going to say, now you're decorated for Halloween, so you're right on, right on schedule. I'm ready, and it's a rotten pumpkin, so it's very... Uh, Accurate for the Apropos, time. Yes. <laughs> well, well, speaking about uh, the time, I don't know what's accurate. So, so Pride's coming up, and of course, say, we, uh, have a, we, have a, we have a month coming up. We have a, we have a whole month coming up. <laughs> yes, an important month, and Disney has released their first look at some of the Pride collection. And I'll read from the D twenty three article on this, which says that. As part of Disney's long-standing history of supporting LGBTQIA plus organizations and charities around the world, including GLSEN in the United States, the Walt Disney Company has announced that they are donating all profits from the new Disney Pride Collection sales from now through June 30th to organizations that support LGBTQIA plus youth and families. This includes merchandise from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. And here's the other key here. Since 2018, Disney has been celebrating Pride with vibrant collections, and this year marks the debut of a new branding for the Disney Pride collection, dreamed up and designed by members and allies of the community for members and allies of the community. And I will just say, it's a very big difference. You can look at the pictures at the link in our show notes. But previously, it used to just be really just rainbow stuff, and you would just kind of take it that it was pride if you knew what you were looking for, but it's one of those things where you could see it and you could, you could, you know, it could just be a rainbow, but you knew it was for pride. That's previously was the design. And now the design is, is very, it's very different. It's very distinct that it is. All of these things are, are very much pride. And also it's a lot more like Disney supporting pride in the design. Uh, and I just think that given the, timing of this is just interesting timing how they are donating all the proceeds and they're making this new design reveal just following some of the stories that we had talked about previously with um kind of the political nonsense that the the company is getting into so what do you think scott oh i think this is great i mean i keep in mind i'm old enough to remember when uh 
quote unquote gay days at Disney was celebrated with people wearing red shirts. So, uh, and I remember back in the day when I would go and it was something that was not officially sanctioned by the parks and, but it, but they allowed it to happen and they would actually put signs warning guests out front that you may see, uh, you may see same-sex couples celebrating and enjoying Disney while you're here. Um, I also remember at that time to get a rainbow mouse ear pin was like finding gold. Um, so I, I think it's great that it has it has moved, and I, and I credit Disney for moving from tolerance to support and acceptance. And and this is clearly the next step. Um, yes, there was some some political malarkey that went on uh, that may be fueling this. But, you know, I, I don't think they've ever been anti uh, just based on who works at Disney. Um, and I say that with love in my heart because I know most of them or many of them. Um, but uh, I, I think that this is a great way to show that progression and the next steps. And I also think that acceptance is something that is becoming more and more popular at a younger and younger age. Um, just recently, I had a friend of mine whose son uh, came out at 13 and they just sent me a picture and a thank you note uh, because I talked to him about coming out and all that. And uh, of he and his boyfriend going to their first dance together. So here's a 13 year old going to their first his first dance with his boyfriend. And so it shows that there is nothing for Disney fans and Disney key families to, to be worried about anymore. Nothing to be concerned about. Um, and I and I think Disney is being very I won't even say progressive, but with the times. Uh, they are recognizing that this yeah. is no longer a taboo and they are embracing it. And I love the fact that more than anything, they're putting their money where their mouth is. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I do definitely think this is the right move. I think Disney did a good job in this instance. They kind of they now they've they kind of seems like they've made a complete about face. And it seems like this is a good job. It, it's a good thing for them to be really tying together the concept of pride and also Disney, where it's not just like what you said, Scott, it's not just like a rainbow with Mickey. Like it's it's definitively Disney supporting pride and also the donations. I think this is like a step in the right direction uh, based on, you know, a little bit of tripping previously about this, but I, I do think this, 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 this was done. Whoever executed this did a good job. Uh, agreed. And, and even if it was because they didn't do they didn't do the best job in the past it shows they're learning and they're willing to adapt so again you have to praise Correct. you have to praise steps in the right direction and this is clearly one of them yeah well speaking of steps in the right direction i'm not sure if this next story is in the right direction or not i think we'll talk about it but uh tokyo disney has launched disney premiere access and essentially that's kind of what we have over here with lightning lane but it's just at Tokyo <laughs> and the new digital service will be available for a fee that's about 15 US dollars and will allow guests to select their preferred time and make reservations to experience certain attractions. Initially, it will be Enchanted Tale of Beauty and the Beast at Tokyo Disneyland and it'll be Soren at Tokyo Disney Sea. Again, it mm. seems right in line with what Disney's been doing. Uh, it's another velvet rope and I think they just have to introduce it to a new culture. It's yep. uh, it, it's it's one of those now culturally yep. speaking though culturally speaking though Philip do you think this is going to be a challenge? I actually don't because I feel like uh, and maybe I just don't know enough because I I don't like I'm not as enmeshed in the Tokyo Disney fan culture as I am here. It seems like here there's still some kind of uh, holdups by some people that 
feel really invested in the parks. The fans really do. And they kind of feel like they, you know, they, I, I don't want to say privileged, but I do feel like there's a little bit where like this, people have expectations of what their Disney experience is in the U.S. I'm sure it's like that, but I'm sure it's not to a degree because those, these parks are newer. They're not, they're not, you know, actually owned by Disney. They weren't, you know, so it's, it's, it's a little bit different there. I also think it's a little bit more common in these areas. You know, I remember paying for velvet ropes up to almost everything when I went to do my tours previously, you know, way, way before we had lightning lane. Um, and I do think this, this is, uh, so I, I do think it'll, it'll overall, I'm not sure. I don't think it'll be as, as crazy. Um, but I do think it's a continuation of the trend where Disney will definitely roll it out at all of their properties, kind of culture by culture. Yeah, I just I just wondered how it would play there because I, I would I would imagine the same thing, but I know very little about the the culture in either of these parks. So um, yeah, I, it it makes sense. It seems in line with what Disney's doing, and it seems like they're having success with it. So more power to them. Yeah, I um, I will say maybe this is anecdotal, but just to kind of paint the experience. The last time I was there, and I went there specifically to see Halloween. I waited four hours for the parade and they started lining up people four hours ahead of time. And you get, you get like, they have everything divided into little squares and they actually even sell like little um, mats that you can sit on and they're, they're the, the size of the square you're assigned. So you're assigned squares. They start seating people uh, four hours at a time. So I got there four hours at a time and I got my little square and everybody had like, umbrellas and camping gear basically and like nobody was complaining so we were like gonna wait in the sun for four hours for a show and nobody was complaining they were all like yeah this is what you do so just based on that i'm like i don't really think anybody is gonna say oh this is like a little bit extra to get you know to get a reserved time for this you know like if i could have paid 15 dollars to not have to wait four hours for the parade i, I definitely would have done that Oh yeah, I mean, four hours time is is well worth fifteen bucks, um, and it's not too different from from. I just read an article not too long ago about um, the uh, the Disney dessert buffet at uh, at California yeah. the California Adventure and, and the the World of Color, and they said that's the best way to actually get your your best viewing. Right. The desserts are meh, but it's it's all about getting seating and and the best viewing of of the end of night show. Yeah, well. Let's uh, get off of Disney for <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, we'll definitely come back to it. But, yeah, we can say um, nice things about Disney. That's rock on. I here. know. I know. Uh, so moving on to a different chain here, uh, Pirates of Splunker Cave has opened at Six Flags Over Texas. On May 14th, It the new attraction, Pirates of Splunker Cave, opened, and it puts guests in the middle of a pirate-themed treasure hunt foiled by, ori uh, foiled by original characters called Splunkers. The state-of-the-art boat ride replaces the Yosemite Sam and Gold River Adventure, and it is a reimagination of one of the park's first attractions, the cave that opened in 1964 and operated until 1991. And my thoughts on this is I'm so, looking at the pictures, I'm so excited for this. This reminds me of the ride that we have here up at Magic Mountain and just the the, I, just, I just think it's it's a good. I, I'm just like I'm happy that we have the introduction of dark rides and theming and story driven experiences into Six Flags. Um, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm too much Disney, and so I'm like I'm like where are my themed elements? But um, I would argue that the overall trend is going towards 
themed experiences. And I think that if a park does not have them, they're, they're really um, leaving a lot on the table. I, I agree with you 100%. And I think this is actually Six Flags' return to themed experiences. Um, yeah. over, over the years with and, and through the owners, they have changed their focus significantly. And now it sounds like they're getting back. They're kind of recognizing that it's not just about the, the teens. It's not just about the coaster riders. It's about families. And I think they're recognizing, again, that money can be made when you offer attractions within your parks that are family-based, that families can do together. So you don't have to divide and conquer. Uh, everybody can do it at the same time. And so I think this is, I agree with you. I think this is very exciting. Um, it is not It is not new to Six Flags Parks. Uh, they used to do it a lot more. And as even this, this article says, it's a reimagining of the cave, which opened in 64. So the idea yep. of taking it and making it a theme park, more of a theme park mentality versus an amusement park mentality, I think is great. The other thing I find exciting about this particular story is they're creating original IP. They're creating original characters again and not just aping what's on television. I so I, 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 I give them great a great deal of credit for that. Um, and I know there are some other parks um, <clears throat> that are not Disney and Universal that are also creating some, uh, some original content. Um, King's Dominion has a new area. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch of, of new stuff that is original content, themed. Um, is it the level of theming that they do at Disney? No, it's not. But it is, it is an attempt and it is uh, a way to incorporate things other than just thrill rides into their overall park offering. And I, and I think that's really important. And all the stuff that I've seen um, with, with new areas like this from the the folks online is they actually quite like the fact that oh look the trash can is themed it's not themed to the nth degree but it has a different wrap and looks different than the other trash cans in the park so they are embracing that that sense of difference also by doing this kind of theming it, cr it creates the illusion that there is more product because the product is more diverse so i i think that's a really smart approach as well yeah yeah okay well speaking of someone who is uh Maybe taking assets and creating new things out of them. Uh, here's a, our next story is that uh, Bush Gardens Tampa has a new event called Summer Celebration. Summer Celebration will make its debut at Bush Gardens Tampa from May 27th through August 7th, 2022, with a fireworks spectacular, extended hours, live entertainment, and the return of free beer samples. <laughs> Memorial Day weekend makes the start of the park's new summer celebration with entertainment that includes the return of Cirque Electric acrobatic and stunt show, the new Gwazi Beat music and dance show featuring drumming, dancers, and stilt walkers, and the return of Turn It Up ice skating show at the Moroccan Palace Theater. Yeah, this is this is great. I, again, I, I'm, I, again, biased, going to be totally transparent. Um, I worked there mm -hmm. and was very much involved with um, Summer Nights when it first started, which is it's the predecessor to Summer Celebration. Um, I was also just recently mm -hmm. there uh, listening to the park president talk about this event and what it will entail. And the coolest thing I think is they've taken a lot of mini events that we've done in the past, plus added a few more mini events that they've done since I left seven years ago. And they are making this massive umbrella so that guests can come back throughout the summer and experience something different, something new, without having to completely rebrand everything. So Summer Celebration is kind of like, the way I look at it is it's sort of like a seasonal park within a year-round park format, 
Um, it yeah. gives them the opportunity to say summer's the time to come out to Bush Gardens and have a great time. And this, you know, this will include, they will have, for example, at some of their concerts, they'll do um, Spanish language concerts, which uh, target the, the Hispanic community um, in and around Tampa. Um, they will have, um, they'll have country artists, they'll have um, contemporary Christian artists. It's, it's, so the, the music is all over the place. It's kind of like what the old mini festivals used to be. Uh, they're bringing back they're, they're bringing back some shows, which is great. I think Turn It Up um, was a very popular ice show and uh, during COVID had to go away. The fact that they're bringing it back and using it as or using summer as a launch pad for this. I think that's great. Um, I don't I haven't seen the new shows, so I'm going to assume that there's some excitement. I'm just thrilled to see that a they're taking a big umbrella to make a bunch of little things a big thing. I think that's really, really cool. And B, that the focus is shifting back to live entertainment at Busch Gardens. Yeah. Uh, because Busch Gardens yeah. was going very much the, the way that, sorry, we just talked about Six Flags, but very much the way that Six Flags had gone uh, for the last few years, and that was mm -hmm. shying away from live entertainment, putting more and more focus mm -hmm. on the thrill rides. And now I think it we're seeing that that pendulum swing back a little bit and we're getting more and more live entertainment and obviously coming from a live entertainment background i'm biased i state my bias fully um but i i'm very excited to see that the entertainment department um is still very viable very valid and uh they they're going to continue to expand the the product mix and it's clear that the park is embracing it because they're they're putting money behind it you know they're putting money and and interest behind it so yeah I, i'm excited I think it's the right yeah. move. Yeah. I, I really agree with all of that. I also want to highlight that I do think this is going to become a trend where you take something that's a little bit nebulous like winter <laughs> and uh, Christmas time and summer and spring and you wrap this umbrella over it that's like summer nights, spring days, Winterfest, you know, and then you you use that umbrella as a as a way to to bring in different types of entertainment. I'm not sure that I love it because I do I do like storylines. So I, I do kind of like the idea of when you have, you know, Howl the Scream and you have the sirens taking over and it's a it's a themed story-driven piece. So I, I just just my personal preference. But in terms of, of of the trend, I think this is the trend. And I don't think the trend is bad. I think the trend is good. I think it brings back live entertainment and it at least it is tangentially related. So I, I'm a little bit okay that there's not a, like a main character that's leading it. So I will tell you, I think Halloween is going to be the the one that holds on to specifically being Halloween themed. Um, and I think it's because the, I think it's because the guests have been trained to expect that and that's what they gravitate towards. Um, they want that kind of storyline they want that villain they want that character to hate yeah. or to yeah. be turned on by because quite often the halloween characters are quite sexy you mentioned the sirens from SeaWorld. um yeah absolutely mm -hmm. uh the uh the other thing that i think is interesting is i have uh, a couple of different clients that are the reason they went more winter than christmas is so that they can actually extend into january because that's now become a shoulder season so uh they, yep. they want to make sure that they can yep. start and have something around the Christmas holidays, but they can actually extend past that into January so that they can get over the doldrums, they can get over the hump. Um, and the, the one, the example, and I didn't work on it, but it, they are one of my clients, Space Center Houston does a, an event called Galaxy Lights, and they 
that because it's not Christmas, because it's lights and all of them are space themed, it very naturally ties over into the beginning of January. So when everybody's kind of going, oh, the holidays are over, now what? Um, they can still still keep the light shining bright. And uh, so I think that's I think that's why Franklin uh, Franklin Institute did that as well um, with their Franklin Frost event, uh, making it. They specifically yeah. did no, nothing Christmas, and uh, everything was yep. trained in winter. So, yep, I, I do agree. I, I think that like, and speaking about this umbrella, right? If if it is an umbrella, you can swap in and out the Christmas activities. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a mm -hmm. Winterfest thing. Part of Winterfest, and we, we saw that here with some of the Los Angeles things where there was Santa was available, but up until Christmas Eve. Right. You know, and so it kind of makes sense where even though it's it's an umbrella event that was open through January, you know, that, that you can bring. So in, then, then instead of the Santa character, then you had like the winter polar bear stuff, but you're like, you know, you can switch people out, um, which allows you to say, create that layer of FOMO. Like Santa's only going to be here for this month. So if you do want to see Santa, you have to come now, but then, oh, now you get to later, if you're coming January, then you can come for the polar bears. And I think this kind of event, this sort of, we'll call it mini events under a big umbrella. Um, yeah. I, I think that has only become possible in the last couple of years. And that's due primarily to the way that theme parks now market. Uh, so much of their marketing is now done via social media, at, which is immediate and short and quick. And you always have to have something new to talk about. And uh, less and less, uh, they're, they're spending less and less time, effort, and money on these gigantic marketing campaigns for here's a uh, here's a Latin music festival, here is a um, extreme sports festival, here is the, because again, the way that the way that marketing has changed, the way that audiences have have changed in the way that they listen, either via TikTok or Instagram or whatever, they always want something new. They need new content all the time. So instead of saying, let's invest a huge amount in, in all of this stuff. The nice thing about Bush Gardens is they already have all of these brands. They already have all of these logos. They can just pop them up on social media when that particular element is taking place under their big summer celebration. And the other thing that they wanted to do um, with this is they wanted to make sure that it wasn't just people coming out at night because summer nights was a misnomer. And this is a celebration of the entire season by using all of these little parts and pieces to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a perfect segue into our next two stories, which I'm going to combine together and kind of summarize. But basically, each story has to do with the marketing that parks are doing, specifically on social media, and even more specifically on TikTok. One is from Disney Fanatic, and it's called Disney Adults Are on the Rise as Disney World Becomes a Top Destination for Gen Z. And the other one is from Blue Loop, and it's Gen Z and TikTok, a game changer for visitor attractions. So both of these are opinion pieces and we're going to kind of combine them together to talk about them. I will read excerpts from the first one to kind of set the backdrop, uh, which is Forbes recently shared a list of the top travel destinations by views in the app, and Walt Disney World came out on top as a number one most viewed destination on TikTok with over 8.6 billion, with a B, views on the app. It is no surprise that the Walt Disney World Resort has, been, has seen crowds that seem to surpass even pre-pandemic numbers. What's more, the majority of those 8.6 plus billion TikTok views have come from Gen Z, with an estimated 60% of TikTok users falling between the ages of 16 and 24. 
Millennials are the next most common generation spotted on the app, with 26% of users ranging between the ages of 24 and 44, and young millennials specifically combined with Gen Z make up 80% of the total users on the app. So uh, they, and then e each article kind of goes on to give examples of how the different theme parks, not just Disney, but uh, people and museums, et cetera, have used TikTok. And we talked about this as well. We've brought up stories of TikTok campaigns previously. So I will say we just started a TikTok account for the Hunter Action Network, what, like maybe a little over a week ago at this point. Uh, it was right before our previous recording, so a little bit more than a week ago. Um, and I, I will say the overall trend that that I, I have heard this from someone else, and I do agree with it. I think the overall trend is that we used to have cable TV and everything was consolidated and bundled. And then we have streaming and streaming kind of leached the value from cable TV because it was more convenient for the user and it was a wider amount of content. And then we saw everyone trying to jump on the bandwagon of streaming. So that's when you started to see a bunch of media companies put massive amount of investment into creating original content. And that kind of really capped out, I think, last year with Netflix, I think was 17 billion. And then you had uh, Apple and Amazon and all these people putting money into original content for their platforms. And now I think we're seeing with the rise of TikTok, I think we're going to see value kind of leave streaming as well, because TikTok is just as addictive as Netflix, but they don't have to spend any money on content creation. And I think that's to Scott's point. Users are putting in this content and it turns out that individuals can be pretty creative. And it also turns out that uh, other people just like watching regular people um, just in a, in, a, in a not overly produced way uh, for a minute or more. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I will. So I will admit that I had a, uh, I had a TikTok account before. Um, I didn't use it enough. So they basically eliminated my account, but I have a brand new one. Mm. And, um, and I, I have very little content on it, but I'm going to continue to build more and more. So uh, the idea here is, and by the way, I did get somebody contact me through TikTok that uh, has started following me and then specifically sent me a note saying, I'm not a, a creepy stalker. I'm a huge fan of, of your work on, on Green Tagged and uh, A Scott in the Dark. Oh. Um, so I just, I just want to let you know, thank you. And, and I'm, I'm following you now. Um, but if, you know, the, the, the cool thing about, about TikTok, and I will admit, I am not, I do not fall into this category uh, generationally, um, but I will say, in fact, in fact, my, my bio statement is, is too old for this, uh, but I'm still here. And the idea is I'm going to continue to try and make a strong effort to keep producing new content because by following and being followed, um, people can comment, people can respond, people can uh, make content that is either parallel or different to mine. And I, and I think it's that interactive quality that makes it so addictive is the fact that, you know, not only can you flip through, you don't have to have a detention span, you can flip through and see everything from uh, someone carving bamboo in, in uh, an Asian country to uh, the, the newest thing going on at Walt Disney World to uh, a cute dog that just fell off a couch, you know, I mean, and all of this just happens right after one after another, you can comment on it, you can interact with it. And, um, you know, as Philip says, it doesn't cost a ton. And if you can inspire other people to create content for you, it uh, it's to the point now where that's where people really start to believe the the content, they start to believe the information, because it's not coming from the company, it's coming from the people who are experiencing the product. 
Yeah. So, and, yeah, and, and I by think, the way, um, if you're looking for my TikTok. It's it's Haunt Daddy thirteen. So find me. I'll I'll be that's there. Funny. Okay. <laughs> I I think that we uh we, we of course we we have seen the kind of the, the rise of influencers. We've been talking about influencers for a while. Uh, quite a while. I feel like it's been forever. We've been talking about this, the, the whole concept of unbundling and influencers with the rise of the internet, social media, blah, blah. Um, I just think that now it's becoming a little bit more a, as you see the, I don't I, maybe I want to say like the social media apps become a little bit more advanced because, you know, the, the algorithm for TikTok is definitely more, more, more advanced and it's more captivating, I think, uh, than even Facebook was uh, back in the day. Um, and then just looking at the usage numbers is, is just crazy, um, for some of these, uh, some of these apps. But, um, I, I also, I definitely think that with the, the, this particular medium that theme parks are in, that video makes a lot of sense because it's something that, uh, you know, you, you'd need to see. And, and I think that, that, that's a big piece of it is, is pulling back that curtain to say like, we were just talking about this earlier. You know, you can read in a press release about how, like, we, we read you the press release for Summer Nights, right? Or we could have just showed you on a TikTok. We could have showed you a clip of the Cirque. We could have showed you a clip of the ice skating thing. You know, and that is, I think, the, the power that attractions have for this kind of stuff is that you can get so much more across when you go back into live entertainment. And I think that, that all works together to, to, to make it a, a good intersection. And what's really cool is if you follow somebody on TikTok, we're going to assume that you kind of know a little bit about their point of view because you've seen what else they've posted. And if it's contra if it's if it's complementary to your point of view, um, it's a great way. You know that they're going to show you what you'd want to see if you went to this attraction anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it is it is sort of unintentionally curated, if that makes any sense at all. Granted. The, the, the algorithm helps significantly as far as the curation goes. But if you're following somebody and you know, well, gosh, I always like what they show, then you can trust that they're going to show you what you would like to see if you go to Disney, Universal, Six Flags, the flower show, the fair, um, out to dinner. You know, Because <laughs> anything, anything is fair game on TikTok. And uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's really, I, I find myself getting trapped in it. Um, now, mm -hmm. uh, and what I've also discovered is I, and I, I've seen other people doing this. I will get I will get stuck in multiple forms of media simultaneously. So like I may have television playing in the background. The moment it goes to a commercial, I go to my TikTok account. Um, I slide through my TikTok account and then a, a, a notification comes up from my Instagram account. Then I go there, then the commercials are over. So I go back to television. So, so it's, it's one of those. Let's just keep those media lines flowing, and you got to make sure that there's interesting content that is posted regularly. That's the important thing. Yeah, I think we could definitely do a whole show on uh, like what theme parks could do to maximize this kind of thing, um, because it, it is, you know, just 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 thinking about that. Like I, as a content creator, and we're primarily a podcast, you know moving into, I know it may sound simple, like we've made a TikTok. Oh, congratulations, guys. You successfully did what billions of other people have done. Like <laughs> it's, it's more than that because, you know, we, we're, it's like, we're, we're thinking about adding video elements, you know, to a production process and thinking about how you're going to go and, and make, add that to, you know, it's a, it's a lot of extra money and time from a budget standpoint as, as a content creator. Um, but I do think that, even the test stuff that we have done has been going very well just in the, in the testing. Um, 
but yeah, this definitely could be a whole topic about just how, right. how, how, how you could encourage this type of thing at your attraction. Well, and one just there's low hanging fruit, and I think the most obvious is always make sure that there's a place. If people are going to do video, if they're going to create video content or TikTok content, make sure there is some sort of placement that tells people who are watching it where they are. Um, it doesn't have to be a logo, but something that is iconic to you, and make sure that it's something that can only happen in your attraction or at your theme park. And that's my tidbit of information because now we are out of time. We, you know, we call ourselves Theme Park in Thirty, and we've gone over just a skosh. But that's okay. On behalf of Philip Hernandez, I'm Scott Swenson. This is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. Thank you so much for watching or listening. And we will see you or be talking at you next week. Okay, that's it for today. We'll catch you back here tomorrow for some haunt hacks. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a haunted attraction 